My house sits in the middle of a row of terraced houses in Sydney's inner west. It's not a big, grand, echoing old house. It's a worker's cottage. Single storey, two bedroom. It has a long straight corridor that leads through to the lounge and the kitchen. And there's a bathroom at the back. It's cosy, but it's also haunted. And this is a story of that haunting. What has happened and is continuing to happen at my little terraced house. Over the next few episodes, I will fill you in on life behind the wooden front door of my spooky house. Spooky house. Spooky house. Episode 1 The Twists and Turns of History My house was built in 1907, five years before Titanic, seven years before World War I. It shares many of the design features of its neighbours. The breezeway, the plaster heads in the hall, the deep skirting boards and picture rails, and the beautiful pressed metal ceilings. A joy to behold until the rust comes through. It has push-up sash windows and just a hint of stained glass out the back. The house has seen a lot of coming and going. For years it was rented out by a dressmaker, a seamstress from Scotland. She sailed to Australia from the United Kingdom on the Oroveto in 1910 in search of a better life. She died in the front room, then her parlour. She shared the house with a young couple also from Scotland, the Camerons. And as ownership of the little house changed from builder to gentleman to lady with money, so did the tenants. The Robinson family was there for years, the husband passing away at home in the 40s. It passed then from hand to hand in the 60s and 70s, each owner testament to the changing ethnic mix of the area and the work to be found. The Camerons and the Robinsons gave way to Bonellos and Sakuras, and labourers became welders and then teachers. Owners came and went, adding little touches and some crazy quirks to the place, but each adding a little more to the history. I know this because I started looking, and I started looking because I knew there was something strange with my little place, and I wanted to find out a reason. As soon as I moved in, I felt watched. It kind of crept up on me, a feeling that something or someone was watching through the back window. A prickling of fear went up the back of my neck as I collected in the washing from the line at night. It started out as a passing fear one might have when one is living alone. 
but like a slow trickle, the feeling became more and more. I also kept getting put to bed. I'd get in from work tired. I'd have supper. I'd watch TV and fall asleep watching TV. But then I'd start and awake with a sense that something had buzzed or breathed in my ear and a feeling of a cool breeze passing my face. I'd wake up and look at the clock and it would always be the same time, 10.55. The two small dogs that I owned would be staring in that alert and interested way that dogs do when someone they know comes into the room. They were staring down the hall, following something, retreating. The hall floorboards creaked rather too often from my perspective. I generalise this memory as it happened so often it became routine. It felt like a different kind of energy to the watcher out the back. It was neutral, friendly even. And I imagine the kindly old soul, perhaps the old seamstress who died in the front room, doing her nighttime rounds and sending me off to bed. That was an okay feeling, I reasoned. Better than the staring blackness at the back of the house. That presence had become almost palpable over the months that followed, rendering the garden a no-go zone for me after dark. And it became so intense that I even sensed it in the daytime. It was an older, angrier male presence whose face I almost expected to see as I took the sheet off the line. And one day, hanging out the clothes, I'd had enough. Bugger off! I shouted into the air. Just leave! Go! And all at once, an icy chill moved across my back and my legs. And then it lifted, mingling with the wind. It's gone, I thought to myself, feeling a tremble of something. Relief? Fear? I don't know. But later I was to find out that it had only just started. Tune into my podcast next time to hear more as I go under the house on a DIY mission and come face to face with something face terrifying. With something terrifying. Face terrifying. Face While writing this podcast, I've also been conducting my own research of the paranormal world, trying to assess how unique my experiences have been and what, if any, formal research has been undertaken in this field. I thought I'd share some of these facts with you. Large-scale market research studies conducted over recent years have found a number of interesting statistics. Various studies by One Poll and Ipsos found that a third of Americans have stayed or lived in a house they felt was haunted and a similar proportion believe in ghosts. The Chapman University survey of US fears in 2018 found that 58% of Americans believe that a place can be haunted by spirits and this proportion has increased by 11% since 2016. 
35% of Australians believe in ghosts, ghouls, spirits and other types of paranormal activity. And paranormal businesses have boomed in Australia. The proportion of believers is higher in the UK, with 40% believing in haunted houses. There has also been a lot of investment in scientific research into the paranormal over the last few decades, with several publications I read reporting the establishment of various paranormal psychology and parapsychology labs at a number of leading universities, including Stanford, Princeton and Harvard. Duke University had a parapsychology lab that was established between 1935 and 1965 and has had various books written about it, about the outcomes of experiments that happened there, that while didn't absolutely prove extrasensory perception or ESP existed beyond all reasonable doubt, actually built a strong evidence base for it. Arizona University has an ongoing program of work variously called the Veritas and the SOFIA projects. Work is ongoing and dedicated to studying survival of the consciousness after death. Edinburgh University has a parapsychology laboratory which has been established since 1985 and researches ESP and telekinesis amongst other phenomena. In Australia there's activity too. The University of Adelaide has a parapsychology laboratory that's been established since 2003. Utrecht University in the Netherlands holds a conference on parapsychology, the most recent one being held in 2008. And quite spookily, the University of Virginia established a laboratory in 2014 dedicated to the research of the survival of the personality after death. Dr. Ian Stevenson runs the lab where they're focusing on reincarnation and altered consciousness. Dr. Jim Tucker works there on studies involving children who have had reported memories that are not their own, linked to lives of individuals who lived decades in the past or even hundreds of miles away. There's one notable case of a small boy who recalls being a fighter pilot in World War II but would have no actual experience of this. Even Prime Minister Winston Churchill experienced a ghost. He reported that at some point after World War II, he went and stayed at the White House, and after a long soak in the bath with his trademark cigar, he came out of the bathroom naked into the bedroom and ran straight into the ghost of Abraham Lincoln. Churchill even apologised to Lincoln for his lack of appropriate attire. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle used to speak to ghosts through mediums. That was very popular in the late 19th century and early 20th century. There was a lot of mediumship going on and seances. Even Alan Turing believed in telepathy. Although people have tried to link psychic phenomena such as poltergeists and the presence of stalking shadows and out-of-body experiences to brain damage such as damage to the right hemisphere of the brain or epilepsy, nothing has ever been conclusively proved. A number of other websites advise you on things to look for to determine if you are living in a haunted house. They report that feeling watched is one of the first events to take place, followed by shadows, animals behaving strangely, strange sounds and smells, doors opening and closing, electronics malfunctioning, TV switching on and off, 
temperature change, as well as the onset of mood swings and depression, which I have felt in our place, but do not feel outside of it. Sleep well.